I invite you to turn to our passage this morning. Uh, we're back in our study in 2 Corinthians. If you have the Black Bible nearby, it's page 967, 967, uh, or 2 Corinthians 6. You have your own Bible. And we pick up our study with verse 14 of chapter 6. And we'll go into chapter 7, verse 1. Second Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Uh, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Lord, we pray that you would use your word, Lord, to, to speak your truth, uh, your, your goodness, your gospel, your plan uh, into our hearts and lives, and, and work through your spirit to transform us, your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In the last few weeks in, in our home, we've been doing, doing some projects, some home improvement stuff, turning my old office into a bedroom for one of, our, one of our kids, and that's kind of necessitated shuffling things around and doing some improvements in various places. And, um, well, my family would probably tell you that home improvement projects and I have this complicated relationship, that, that there's probably about half a dozen emotional states that I work my way through, just about every project. So on, on Tuesday, my day off, and I picked up my hammer and tape measure and kind of worked my way through all of them, uh, starting off with the excitement stage, you know, this, all right. We're going to do this. This is going to be good. I got the right tools. Let's go. But then the excitement stage turned into the frustration stage, which is this is taking way too long. This is way too hard. I didn't sign on for this. Then there was a little bit of the quitting phase. That's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. Uh, and that kind of morphed into the bargaining stage. This is good enough, isn't it? No one's going to notice. I say to myself, you know, like this is, this is good enough, right? Um, anybody relate to that? Uh, but what I want to think this morning is about relating those ideas to an even bigger home improvement project. Uh, God's home improvement project. Maybe you could even call it Extreme Makeover Human Edition. Uh, it's God's transforming work of us. 
our, our passage this morning is all about growing in holiness. Uh, theologians like to talk about sanctification. Uh, us, God's people, growing more and more to match his uh, holiness. Well, you, you saw it. You saw it in our in our passage. For example, at the at the very last verse, he used the language of cleansing ourselves from every defilement, bringing holiness to completion. Uh, God doing this work of of transformation, a great uh, transforming work in us, but a work of God that He involves us in. Uh, involves us to be actively and steadfastly engaged in. Uh, and as you consider God's home improvement project, uh, I, I wonder what, what emotional stage you're at. Uh, are, are you in a little bit of the excitement stage? Kind of like, I got this. I got, got the right tools. Let's, let's go. Or, or maybe, maybe you're a little bit frustration stage. You know, this is taking way too long. Uh, I, I, this is way too hard. Uh, maybe you're tempted to quit. Maybe you're tempted to have a little bargain. You know, kind of, come on, isn't this good enough? Uh, no one's going to notice. Like, what stage are, are you in? And notice how Paul's description of this task and of, of the fuel behind it, how it speaks into those things. That's what we want to think about and meditate on. Uh, Paul's exhortation, but then also the, the motivation behind it. So let's, let's take a look together uh, at our passage. We'll, we'll begin with the, the exhortation. Um, Paul begins the passage and he ends the passage uh, by giving the Corinthian Christians something to do. Something to do. Uh, we already mentioned that final verse, so let's, let's, let's start there. Uh, and again, notice he's, he's telling them to do something. Uh, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Right? It's a, it's a command. He's telling us something to do. He's telling us, uh, on, the, uh, on the one front, something to get rid of. Right? Cleanse yourself from every defilement. Uh, pollution. That's what sin does. Uh, sin pollutes. So, and so whenever we break God's law, we, we turn aside from his ways and we go, we go our way that's different, uh, that, that is, that's a, it's a polluting effect in our lives, uh, in, our, in our bodies to some extent, and, but especially to our, to our hearts. And here, and here Paul says, well, cleanse yourself. Uh, get, get rid of that those things in your life that, that bring that that pollution, that, that defilement. <laughs> so something to get rid of. And then he mentions something to, to add, something to increase in. He says, put positively, bringing holiness to completion. Uh, if, you were, if you were in adult Sunday school this morning, we talked about holiness. And we talked about how holiness uh, is that idea of being set apart. Uh, especially set apart for God, uh, and set apart in such a way that you're matching the uh, the moral purity of God. So that's what he's talking about here. Is uh, is while you put off that which pollutes and defiles, you're striving to more and more uh, live as one who is set apart for the Lord. More and more uh, putting on that which matches his uh, his goodness and his purity uh, and his holiness. 
that phrase bringing holiness to completion reminds us that this is a this is a process uh, right it's it's it presents it as not a kind of a one-time event like you know I did this last week uh, projects done but but an ongoing work bringing holiness to completion right it's a it's an ongoing work theologians like to talk about progressive sanctification in other words, it's something you make progress in. It's not a one-time event, but we grow more and more. Uh, it's something that does have a, a completion to it. Uh, we know from elsewhere in, in Scripture that that completing work uh, comes when the Lord the Lord takes us to Himself. Uh, but but it's but it's working towards completion. God has a uh, has a perfecting uh, goal in mind, a, a, a perfect, not good enough, not not just maybe that's good enough, but an actual spotless matching of Christ perfection uh, in mind. Paul also adds this phrase that we're to bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. In the fear of God. Which, which doesn't mean that we run from sin because we're petrified of God. Uh, or, or petrified of, of God sending us to hell if we don't. Uh, as, we'll, as we'll get to in a minute. Uh, we're, we're not saved because we do this uh, this work of pursuing holiness good enough. Uh, no, the, the fear of God here is, is that, is that uh, fear of God that the Bible throughout speaks of that fits his people. Those who are already in his family, uh, they have this awe and reverence of God. Right? He is God, I'm not. Uh, he's my king, he's my Lord. Uh, and so uh, Paul's saying this, this striving uh, in holiness is something we do in a, in a kind of seriousness, right? This is, this is a serious business, according to God. And so we don't treat it as you know, this optional project, right? A lot, of, a lot of the home improvement projects in our home, it's like, well, that's optional. I don't have to do this. Well, well apparently this one, doing it in the fear of God, this, this isn't optional to God. It's something we take with a kind of seriousness, a kind of reverence and awe, uh, that, uh, that, that, that is infused in what we do. Okay, so that's how Paul ends the passage, right? The, the, the ending command. He also begins the passage with, with something to do. So let's go to the beginning, right? Kind of looking at the bookends here. So the first, the first verse. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Uh, now, for, for some of us, we hear those words and we immediately think of marriage, right? That, that someone, who's, someone who's a believer, a follower of Christ, shouldn't marry someone who's not a believer, not a follower of Christ. Uh, and and, and that's, that's absolutely true. And that's a, that's a good application. It's taught many places in Scripture. Uh, and, and a good exhortation, if you're someone who's a single and you're, you're going to be deciding who to marry... Uh, or even contemplating the possibility of dating someone, uh, right? This is a good encouragement, uh, an important challenge, something to do. Uh, but as Paul Paul talks about it, it's not the only application. It's much broader than that. Uh, so think about the image, unequally yoked. Uh, it's drawing that Old Testament picture of God's commands about, about animals. Uh, don't, if you're plowing your field, for example, uh, don't, don't yoke together two very different kinds of animals, That'll be a mess. You could picture it. If you're plowing your field and you're hooking up a pair of animals to, to, to pull the plow, you don't want to yoke together a, a strong, slow ox with a, with a fast, lively horse. 
like put those two together, bind them together, you kind of have a mess, and and one's going to end up going where they didn't necessarily want to go, and it's kind of a kind of a disaster. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Uh, he's saying that that the believer and the unbeliever, by God's grace, are very very different. So remember, he said back in chapter five that one who comes to faith in Christ because of God's grace is a is a new creation, right? The old is gone; behold, the new has come, right? So the uh, the believers is this transformed uh, individual, someone who belongs uh, in their true being to the world to come, uh, versus someone who doesn't know the Lord, right? Very different. Still blinded in unbelief, still a part of the uh, this old world. Of course, that's where we were, and we're no better in our in our our, our morality. You know, we didn't earn our salvation. But the fact remains uh, that the, that this is very. These are very different individuals, uh, believer and unbeliever. And so uh, Paul says, you know, you don't want to yoke those two things together uh, in such a way uh, that the that the Christian gets in a position where his his freedom of movement is so restricted that he ends up going into that which is unholy. And that's kind of the idea of being yoked. You kind of you can't go where you want to go. Uh, and and so certainly you know you can think of a marriage application, but you might think of other applications of this. Uh, maybe maybe a work situation or a or a business partnership uh, that you could imagine how some kinds of business arrangements could have a Christian bound together with someone who's not a Christian. Which not necessarily bad, but if that yoking together leads a believer uh, into something that's unholy, restricts their freedom, right? This this particular partnership uh, is bound to lead the plow into into that which is unholy, that which is against God's law. Well, that's a bad partnership. That's a bad. That's a bad yoking uh, together. It fits in uh, a specific kind of example of what's more generally put at the end of the chapter. The call to flee sin, the call to put on, put on holiness. It's God's great uh, home improvement project, uh, God's complete transforming work, His plan. It's His work, right? God does it, but yet He actively engages us in it. Right? He does it through His Spirit, and yet He commands us to be a part of it, actively and and and, uh, and devoted participants. So as you think about that call to holiness, again, where, where, how does that strike you? Uh, are, you are, are, are you at that stage of, of being frustrated or maybe even thinking about quitting? You know, this is just too hard. This is taking too long. Uh, or, or maybe, maybe you're, you're tempted to, to bargain a little bit. Well, isn't this kind of good enough? You know, I'm, I'm better than my neighbor. Can I just quit here, Lord? Um, well, the next section is probably the most critical of all, because here is the fuel to the fire. Uh, here is here's what drives it all, what we could say uh, a gospel motivation. So you have the, uh, the critical exhortation, but the gospel motivation. So it's really important for us to notice that this, this call to be steadfastly engaged in pursuing holiness, uh, this isn't the way by which we become right with God. Right? It's not make yourself holy enough, and then God will accept you, then God will let you into heaven, then you'll be a child of God. Right? No, no, no. It's helpful that we've been studying this, this book in order, because you see, this chapter 6 only comes after we've worked our way through chapter 5. 
You remember chapter 5 where Paul says, be reconciled to God. In other words, be made right with God again. And you remember how he describes how that happens. He didn't say anything about something that we do to accomplish it. It was all what, what God did. What God <laughs> did in his son. Remember, remember that, that verse? Uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, uh, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that, that, that's, in the, that's where he said, that's reconciliation. That's being made right with God, being accepted by the Lord. It's based on what Jesus does, that he bears our sin, that he dies in our place, so we end up right with the Lord. Now, the gift of heaven, the gift of becoming his child, it's based on what he does. Uh, so as we talk about this, this work of pursuing holiness, uh, don't confuse it with the way to be made right with God. Which is why if you're here and, and you're not trusting in Christ and you're not following the Lord, uh, please don't hear from this. Uh, what you really need to do, first and foremost, is try harder. That, that, that's, that's not it. Uh, what all of us need, first and foremost, is Jesus and his work for us. Uh, trusting in his death on the cross. We all need to start there. But what our passage does is then say, what flows out of there? Uh, but this transformed life and a motivation that is uh, that is all gloriously gospel. So let's um, let's work our way through. Well, you can see see in the verse we read before uh, how the how the motivation is is out of uh, is out of gospel promise. So we read verse seven or chapter seven, verse one. Um, remember Paul saying, "Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves." Right? Why do we cleanse ourselves and pursue holiness? Uh, since we have these promises? What, what promises? Well, the promises he, he lists. Uh, and, and that's uh, essentially verses 16 to 18. So we'll take a few minutes to walk through some of those promises and say, this is the fuel. Uh, this is what spurs us on with, with joy uh, to pursue godliness. What you have in 16 to 18 is a, is a string of different Old Testament quotations. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see the amazing gospel promises wrapped up in them. Uh, let, let's start right in the middle. Let's start with verse 17. And here we have uh, what we could call the freedom from captivity. Um, so this was a quote from Isaiah that we read, uh, we read earlier from Isaiah 52. Uh, and Paul paraphrases it. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. So this is a quote from Isaiah 52, and, and there's kind of hints in what we read uh, of the context of what Paul was, uh, was saying in Isaiah 52, or what, what God was saying. Uh, Isaiah 52 is, along with that larger section, God is giving this great promise to those who are in captivity in Babylon. So God's people uh, hauled off into the exile, hauled off into captivity in Babylon, and it was their own fault. It was their own sin. God had been patient for generations, and then he hauled them off into captivity. But now God, through Isaiah, is speaking to those in captivity, and he's saying, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to set you free. And he does it in that section using all the language of uh, the exodus under Moses. Right? This is, he's saying, this is kind of the new exodus. You remember Moses? There was God. He was going to set his people free from Egypt. Uh, and the captivity, the slavery under Pharaoh. Uh, so just like God did that in the days of Moses, 
set God's people free. He was going to do it in the days of uh, the captivity, set people free from Babylon. And here Paul quotes it and saying, yeah, this is about us. Because uh, what God has done is he set us free from an even greater slavery than Egypt or, or captivity than Babylon. He sets us free uh, from, from sin, from darkness, from death. Uh, it, it's uh, the, God through his son and the work of Christ. Christ is the, is the great liberator, the great uh, one who sets the captives free. He sets us free from sin and darkness and death through his work. Uh, all his work, uh, none of ours. Uh, we don't earn it, but God, by his grace, as it were, swings the prison door open. And we're free. Right? That's the good news of Jesus. Can you, can you, can you take, that, take that to heart? God sets you free from darkness and death because of, because of his work. And the, the application to that, the flowing out of that, uh, is, well, if God has set the, prison free, set the prisoner free, he's opened the, the prison door, then leave all the stuff of prison behind? Right? He says to the Babylonian uh, captives, right, okay, God's going to set you free out of, out of Babylon, so, so as you come back, like, leave all the Babylonian idols there, right? All the, all the unclean pagan stuff, right? Leave it behind because God just set you free from it. And, and, and Paul's saying, yeah, this is really uh, for us. God has set you free in Christ from sin and death. So all that stuff that had to do with, with the old slavery to sin, the old prison to sin, like, leave that behind. Um, if, you were, if you were convicted of a crime... And you were imprisoned, uh, but then, but then the the governor set you free by mercy, and right they opened the prison door. Uh, would would you spend the rest of your life wearing an orange jumpsuit? No, right? Because you'd say that's no, that, that's prison garb, right? I'm going to dress like a free man because that's who I am now. Uh, and, and that's basically what, what what Paul is saying here, what the Old Testament is saying, what God is saying. Right, God set you free. So all that stuff that, that was wrapped up with the prison and the, and, and the bondage to darkness, just leave that all behind. Because look who you are. You're free because of God's grace. So next uh, gospel motivation, the God who is with us. So let's go back up to verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And here Paul's quoting from Leviticus. This is the days of Moses uh, in the Exodus from Egypt. There's a connection, a good order here. Uh, and, and it's describing why God set his people free from slavery in Egypt. Why did he do that? Uh, well, he describes it here. He set them free from Egypt so that they might be his people, and so that he might dwell among them. That's why he set them free. They would be his, and he would dwell among them. Uh, and you might remember there was a very physical representation of that. Uh, kids, do you remember? Do you remember the tabernacle? You ever learned about the tabernacle? I think some of you just learned about that in Sunday school not too long ago. Uh, that when that when God. Uh, brought his people out of Egypt, one of the first things he had them do was build this tent. And it was a special tent because the glory presence of God would dwell in that tent. 
And you remember uh, the point that God was making was there was God's people dwelling all around in tents, and right in the middle there was God in his tent, in his special presence. And so the picture was God was dwelling with his people. And of course when they got settled in the promised land, uh, everything got permanent. God's people took uh, permanent homes, and God's glory presence got a permanent home in the, in the temple. Right, same picture. Uh, God sets his people free so he can be with them, uh, dwelling right among them. And again, Paul's saying, yeah, this is us. Uh, what does he say? He says, we are the temple of the living God. Right? Uh, this is the fulfillment. He says, you Corinthian Christians, you, you Emmanuel Christians, don't you see? You're the temple of God. God set you free from sin so we can dwell among us. Uh, we're like that temple. Uh, God dwelling with us. But it's not a, it's not a physical building anymore. Uh, it's, it's people. God dwells with us as a, uh, as a body, but also with us as individuals. Uh, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is why God set you free. Uh, so that he could be so near to his people. Even, even dwelling among us as, uh, as his very own. Uh, God, uh, right with you, his, his precious one, uh, the temple of the living God. Can you see how that good news of the gospel then motivates us uh, to, to walking in God's ways? Right? Think of the, the people coming out of, out of Egypt, right? The, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Right? Israelite, don't, don't take that Egyptian idol... And, you know, and bring it into the, the, the temple, the tabernacle. Like, well, that doesn't fit. Uh, leave, leave it behind in Egypt. Uh, but, but come to the temple, uh, come to the temple purified. And again, the fulfillment with us. Right? The, those, those things of the old life, the prison life, leave those behind. Because, look, God dwells among you. Uh, and, and we want to, uh, if God dwells among us, we want to more and more embody that, that holiness and goodness and purity that's wrapped up in God himself. So, uh, one, more, one more gospel motivation. The sons and daughters of God. Uh, so, verse 18. God says, I will be a father to you, uh, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So here Paul actually combines three Old Testament quotations uh, from Ezekiel, 2 Samuel, and Isaiah. Uh, again, they're all promises fulfilled in Christ. Uh, Christ, the, the Son of God, uh, he comes in order to make us sons and daughters of God. Right? There's, the, there's the good news of the gospel, that God doesn't just uh, set us free from slavery to be any old person. Uh, he sets us free from slavery to sin in order to be his children. Uh, that was his plan all along. Uh, to be his precious children. Think about that. Uh, that here you are, believer, uh, and, and you're, a, you're a child of the living God. That God is your father, which means he is committed uh, to watching over you, caring for you, protecting you, providing for you to the very own, uh, to the very end, as if you were his child, because you are. Uh, that's God's commitment uh, to you. That's good news. And it also spurs us on uh, to be more and more uh, walking in God's ways. Um, 
Uh, kids, can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you what I used to love to do when I was your age? So when I was about your age, what I loved to do is I'd love to help out my dad when he did projects around the house. My dad was a pretty handy guy, and so he was always kind of building a shelf or, or putting in some baseboards or something. And I loved to be right there with him and you know hold the hammer and the tape measure so I could hand it to him at just the right time or hold the wood as he was sawing a piece of wood. And, and I just loved to do that. And, and I'd be thinking, wow, when, when I grow up, I don't want to be like my dad. I want to, I want to build stuff. I want to hammer stuff. I want to be like my dad. Uh, so this week, as I was working around my house, all of a sudden it kind of dawned on me, I, I get to be just like my dad. That's, that's the call to holiness. That's the gospel call. Uh, it's, it's we're adopted as, as children of the living God, beloved, cared for, and now, and now the, the Spirit is given to us, and we get to be more and more just like our dad. Right? Walking in his ways, strengthened by him, we get to be more and more like him. Uh, it's not a dry, legalistic duty. It's this, it's this privilege. We, we get to be like him, uh, and we get to pursue that. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard, uh, but, it's a, but it's motivated. It's fueled by the good news of what God has done. Can you start to see it? Can you start to see the fuel behind this? Uh, it's, it's all based on, on what God has done uh, in, through his son in the gospel. He sets us free, uh, that, that he dwells among us, uh, that he adopts us into his family, and how that spurs us on in, in joyful uh, overflow uh, to, do the, to do the hard work uh, of, by his strength, pursuing what is good and righteous and holy. So critical observation, gospel motivation, and of course it's got to get specific. Uh, call it wise application. What, is it, what does it look like for us to, to follow the details of, of this command? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about some of that uh, with marriage and maybe in business. Uh, maybe you're wondering how, to, how do we follow something like verse 17? Uh, go out from their midst and be separate. What is what are we supposed to do with that? Are we supposed to are we supposed to like live like the Amish, kind of move into a Christian commune or a monastery? Is that, is that what God is calling us to do? Uh, uh, Corinthians is great great books to study because Paul answers that very question in in First Corinthians. In First Corinthians, he writes to the same church uh, and he says this. He says, "I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people." He says, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters, since you would need to go out of the world to do it. So he's, so he's clarifying. I'm not telling you to like leave the world, not to have anything to do with those uh, unbelievers who sin. He says, like, you'd have to leave the world to do that. Uh, actually, later in 1 Corinthians, he gives... He gives uh, a, encouragement to Christians about what to do when they get invited over their unbelieving neighbor's house. Uh, and, and he encourages them, like, don't compromise your faith. But, uh, but the, whole, the whole background is that he's assuming, well, of course you're going to have a close relationship with your unbelieving neighbors. And of course they're going to invite you over for dinner. And if done the right way, sure, go, absolutely, go for it. 
right? So by, by saying, go out from them and be separate, he's not saying, don't have anything to do with the unbelieving world. No, not at all. Uh, not at all. Perhaps the, the best summary of this is what, is what Jesus prays for his, uh, for his people. Uh, in John 17, he says uh, to, to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not. So here's, here's who Jesus says we are. We're, we're not of the world. We're this new creation. So it's not that we're to leave the world, but that, that we would be protected, guarded, kept in the midst of it. Uh, call it in the world, but not of the world. And that's what, uh, that's what the call to holiness is. It's not having nothing to do with an unbelieving society. Uh, it's while we're in the world... Uh, don't don't copy uh, the the world's values. Don't copy the the darkness and the death that we ourselves used to walk in. Uh, and and of course, again, that uh, that has to get specific. What does that look like? Maybe you can think of a couple of areas in your life where where you struggle with this, right? You, you struggle to uh, to look more like the darkness of the world uh, than than different from it. Uh, as as struggles go for the Corinthians. Uh, their two big struggles were uh, were this. Their struggles were idolatry and sexual immorality. They were the two great big big issues in the Corinthian church because they were the two big issues in Corinth. Uh, the city was uh, was famous for those two sins, uh, and and God's people struggled to be in Corinth but not of Corinth. Uh, idolatry, of course, the world hasn't changed that much, uh, right? We're, we struggle with the same things. Uh, and so you could think, how, how might we interact with those two things? What does the call to holiness look like when it comes to fleeing idolatry? Which for us might not be at all the temptation to build a statue in your living room and bow down to it. Uh, but, but of course, idolatry takes other forms. Uh, it's, it's the devoting of yourself uh, with, that, with that utmost devotion to anything that isn't God. So, so you think about, is there something in your life that tends to take that place of, of utmost devotion uh, instead of God? It could be anything. Uh, but, if it, but if it takes that place of, of utmost devotion, then it's, it's an idol. It's the functional God in your life. All right? Even if it's, a, it's an ordinarily good thing. Right? So it, it, could be, it could be an idol of comfort. Uh, or fun, or money, or or being well liked by others, uh, or or being physically fit, or uh, or having a, a success at your job—all these things are not bad in themselves. They start to sneak into that place of utmost devotion. I'm willing to I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get that or keep that. Um, then, then then that's an idol that's snuck into your life. That's an idol that's snuck into the temple of the living God. And God says, okay, cleanse it, cleanse it. And maybe, maybe you think of something you're tempted with, and uh, a good question to ask is, okay, what might be the next step that I could take uh, to, to pushing that thing out of my life more? Right? Can you just, just think of one next step that you could take even this week uh, to, to get that idol further out of your life? Corinth, they struggled with uh, idolatry and sexual immorality. Also, not much has changed. 
uh, that the that the the challenge uh, of of the the people of God uh, is to live according to God's law, not the standards of Corinth. Uh, and of course, when it comes to sexuality, God's God's word is that God created uh, sexual expression and and practice good within that beautiful context in which He made it for. Right, a, a loving, faithful relationship of husband and wife and in marriage. And then anything outside of that uh, is, uh, is not that which God made it for, and therefore uh, therefore not holy, not clean. And, and God says, yeah, cleanse that stuff from your life. And then Corinthians struggled with that. And maybe we can be honest enough and say we struggle with that. Again, maybe it's asking that same question. What's the, what's the one initial step that I could take, even this week, uh, to pushing some of that stuff out of my life uh, a little bit more. Now, what's one step? Maybe it's just even talking to someone, a trusted, uh, a trusted uh, brother or sister in Christ. Hey, I struggled in. Uh, can, we, can we pray for each other? Can we, just one step that you could take this week. Uh, because God calls us to action. He calls us to do. Uh, and it's, it's not doing uh, because because God's leaving us on us on our own. We're actually quite the opposite. Uh, we we can we get engaged because we know God's already at work. He's been at work and He's going to finish it. Uh, he does have this great work that He's doing, a complete extreme transformation of His people, and He calls us to be involved in it, to be engaged in it. Uh, he calls us to, as the ver- final verse says, to cleanse ourselves from every defilement and, and in the fear of God bring holiness to completion. He calls us to be engaged in that. Uh, how, does that how does that project strike you? Uh, do, you, do, you do you feel excited by it? Yeah, I got the right tools. I can, I can, I can do it. Uh, maybe you feel like it's just way too hard. You're at that frustration stage. This is way too hard. This is taking way too long. Maybe you're tempted to just settle, right? This is good enough, right? Who, who's really going to notice? Can I just stop here? Um, but wherever, wherever you're at uh, in, in those emotional stages, uh, go back to the promises. Right? That, that's what Paul bases this all on. Since we have these promises, uh, beloved, that's the fuel. Go back to it. Uh, go back to, to realizing that if you if you know Christ, then you, you have been set free. Uh, you, you are his precious child. He does dwell with you. And how that and how meditating on those promises, it, it fuels you. It, it it challenges you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that prison guard behind. Lord help me to do it. Uh, I, I, I want to, to get rid of all the idols out of the out of the temple of God, because God is God is with me. Lord, help me to do it. Uh, I want to be just like my dad. Uh, I'm called a son, uh, called a daughter. Lord, help me to do it. And God, of course, as we've been learning throughout Corinthians, we've been learning God loves to show his strength in the midst of our weakness. And so we can expect him to do it, even here. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would be powerfully at work in your people. That the, the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, the strength of this good news that you of what you've accomplished, uh, would would help us and, and fuel us even this very week. Lord, you know those places in our lives where we struggle. 
Uh, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to, to fill our minds with the good news and even to, even to take those specific steps to pursue you more, more faithfully. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.